Thank you, Father, for bringing us here this morning. Would you tune our hearts to sing your praise? And we pray, Father, that just like the Apostle Paul, you will come and be our God so that we too can say, when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. For when I am weak, then I am strong are not my words, they're Paul's. My words go instead like this, for when I am weak, I am ashamed for not being competent enough, good enough, self-controlled enough, strong enough. For when I am weak, then I am ashamed. I hate being seen as weak, as unable, as not competent, as having faults. I live in fear that I'll get caught and lose credibility as a leader in God's church and now in my role as a stepmother to five. The other other day I lost it, my heart raced, my voice escalated to the highest point because I was fed up. Everyone in the house heard it, even visitors. In one sense I was glad that finally the whole world heard how hard I was finding life. But in another sense I was so embarrassed by it for losing it. What would the world think of me now? I know in my head that we are all sinners and that we all have our faults and foibles and that it is anti-gospel to even deny that I am a sinner, as that would be saying, I don't need the gospel. But deep in my bones, I believe that I myself should have it all together to be okay. I believe that I'm okay not because Jesus loves me, but because I can and desire to have it all together in the right way in my own strength. I have the sin of wanting to be, wanting to maintain the appearance of being okay, all on my own, the sin of self-sufficiency. It is anti-gospel. It goes against the logic, the movement of where the gospel is taking me. It is anti-Christian. It fundamentally denies the core of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, a person who depends and follows Jesus to be who we are meant to be. It is anti the God I know in Christ Jesus, because Jesus came to heal the sick, the hurting, and not those who are well. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The logic of the gospel says, it's okay to be a sinner in the sight of God. In fact, it's even better to come to God as a person who can't have it all together by one's own strength than as a person who has it all together on their own. The gospel says, I'm a dependent creature whose livelihood depends on the one who gives me breath from the moment I am conceived till the moment I breathe out my final breath here on earth and even into the new world coming. We are dependent creatures. Even in heaven we'll be dependent on God. But the internal logic I like to operate on and am so used to operating on is, Jenny, you can do it yourself in your own strength and therefore... Weakness is a sign that you are less than an ideal, competent human being. In our reading today, Paul says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. What was it about him that enabled him to not hide behind his weaknesses, but to stand right in the midst of it and say, For for when I am weak, I am strong. In verse 9, Paul says, that he all the more gladly boasts about his weaknesses because Christ's power rests on him. Verse 9, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. He continues on, 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. He delights. He takes pleasure in the feeling and experience of being weak, in insults, in hardships. For it is when he is weak, when he is in the midst of weakness, that he is able to say that he is strong. What enabled Paul to say, when I am weak, then I am strong, as opposed to what I, Jenny, say, when I am weak, then I am ashamed? In the same verse, we can see why Paul said what he said. He said what he said as a direct response to God's word to him, which was, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This word of God, for my grace is sufficient for you, did not come in a vacuum. It came in the context of Paul's prayer life. He had a rich prayer life. Um, We know he prayed um, day and night. Um, And in the text we read today, he said he pleaded three times to the Lord. And it was in that context that God gave him this word. Paul prayed because he had a thorn in his flesh, which he asked the Lord to remove. Three times he pleaded with God to remove it. We know that God gave him this thorn straight after, at some point after, Paul had an experience of being caught up in paradise, heaven, where he heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Just about 14 years before he wrote this letter, God gave Paul this thorn in order that he may not become boastful of his funky spiritual experiences. Paul says in verse 7, because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me... Keep me from being conceited. I was given a thorn in my flesh. You can see how Paul might have been tempted to boast about these super spiritual experiences. Paul wasn't a really popular apostle from what I can tell. There was a lot of competition amongst the different leaders in Corinth and there were factions and divisions in the community of God to the point where at some point Paul said, some of you say I follow Paul and some of you say I follow Apollos, some of you say I follow Kephas. And some of you say, I follow Jesus, but who knows whether they're actually following the actual Jesus or who they think Jesus might actually be. It wasn't an easy context for Paul to be a leader in. And he could have said, I too have these funky spiritual experiences, so people, listen up to me. But God not wanting Paul to become proud, too elated, too big beyond what he actually was, God gave him a thorn. We don't know the exact nature of Paul's thorn, What we do know is that it happened in his flesh that is in his body as a human experience. It could have been a physical ailment that caused him debilitating pain or a psychological, emotional, mental issue caused by his past behaviour in persecuting the church of God or from those who were persecuting him in his task to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Or it could have been a general personality trait that he developed in the context of his life as a servant of the risen Lord Jesus. This thorn... Whatever it was, was meant for good. Not in the sense that God caused it, but that it happened under his sovereign care for a good purpose. Just like Joseph was able to say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And how the cross of Christ was the deeds of evil men, but it was also the foreplan of God. The thorn was given to him by God, verse 7, to stop Paul from becoming conceited that he's proud about something that was not true about himself. 
Note the issue is not the proudness. It's okay to be proud about the good things we might have achieved, about our God, about our family, but the issue is being conceited, being deceived about who we are, about our world in the process of celebrating the good. Does the super spiritual funky experience make Paul a super apostle worthy to follow? No. Paul is a leader to be followed because of the God who called him and not vice versa. The special experiences he had doesn't make him any special, but it does tell us something about the kind of God Paul had and what he was up to. This thorn that was given by God was given to Paul for a good purpose. And in verse 7, Paul also says that it became a tool of Satan. Paul says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. The thorn was vexing and debilitating and it tormented him. It probably made him doubt that God was good, that God was for him, and at times it probably tempted Paul to give it all up. God, I know you gave me this illness, this condition, to make me depend on you all the more, to let me know that I'm not God and that you are. I know that, but it's getting too much for me to bear. I'm tired and I'm sick of it. Actually, at this point, I don't care if it'll make me any godly. Please take it away. I cannot stand it. I know you have the power to take it away because you're God. So please, for my sake, take it away. If you love me, please take it away. Here are some words that can come out of mouths and hearts that are tormented by Satan. So Paul pleaded with God three times to take the thorn away. And God during his prayer life, gave him a word. And God said, Paul, the thorn will remain, and that's okay, because my grace is sufficient for you, because my power is made perfect in weakness. It's quoted in direct speech. I don't know if Paul heard an audible voice, or whether it was a vision, a trance, or whether God impressed these words on Paul's heart by the Spirit's promptings. I don't know. But God's response was very clear to Paul. Verse 9, Paul says, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power reaches its goal in weakness. This is one of those empowering verses that you find in Christian bookmarks on people's inspiration quote collections. And it's a verse that I've used on many occasions to minister to people in suffering and pain, and even to myself when I felt like things were falling apart. Hey, Jenny, God says his grace is sufficient for you. So that problem you have, that weakness you have, take heart, take comfort, because God says his grace is sufficient. Maybe it's time to let go of your worries and give it over to God, because he says that his power is made perfect in weakness. But even when I've taken comfort from these verses, I've always had a sense of not knowing, not understanding this verse completely, especially the my power is made perfect in weakness bit. And my not understanding it completely has subconsciously made me to not ask, to not expect to see the outworkings of God's power being made perfect in human weakness. Whenever I've texted this verse to people, I've never followed it up by asking them, did you experience God's power in the midst of your pain? Were you able to say, when I am weak, then I am strong? Mostly, I've used this verse to put the pain under the carpet, to distract people from their pain, by implying that God's grace has to be sufficient, because in the end, your 
earthly troubles, your petty troubles, don't really matter in the bigger scheme of things. And the fact that you are saved by God's grace is enough. Or I've used this verse to say, you may be weak now, but remember your God is strong, so just think of him and forget your pain. But this verse means so much more than that. It has so much more potential for us, myself included, for us to experience the power of God made perfect in our weaknesses. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What might this mean? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. There are two parts to this sentence. The key to understanding the first part, my grace is sufficient for you, I think can be explained by the second part, my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, because my power that is external to you, that is not from you, is made perfect in the midst of your weakness, because that is the internal, log internal logic of how I, God, operate, whatever I give you, bless you with, grace you with is sufficient and you need not worry about being weak because that is precisely when I will come and pour out my blessings on you for you to become strong, okay and complete. Remember what Jesus said at the beginning, I have not come to heal the healthy but the sick. I have come to save sinners but not the righteous. When you are weak, that is when I will come and pitch my tent over you and make you strong, says God. This is precisely why in verse 9 Paul says, I will all the more gladly boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The Greek word for rest here is tent pitching. When I am weak, the power of the risen Lord Jesus, his resurrection, his life-giving power will come over me and pitch his tent over me. And Paul has an experience of God. That is why he is able to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. So would you like to experience this resurrection power of God in your life now? Do you want the overpowering presence of the risen Christ to come upon you, to overshadow you and pitch his tent over you, so that whatever you do, you become the grounds on which God's glory, his power is displayed? Do you have the tools in you now that if weakness came upon you one day, invaded your life, either in a quiet way or in an abrupt way, you are able to experience the power of God that will enable you to say, for when I am weak, then I am strong? I have two reflections I'd like to share with you today. First, acknowledge and own your own weaknesses for what they are. We're not talking about any kind of weakness. I'm not talking about your weakness to lift up that 100 kilogram thing at the gym. It is a specific type of weakness. For Paul, in the context of this letter, it was a weakness he had for being unable to fulfill his calling, his mission as the apostle to the Gentiles. And for us, I think it's safe for us to assume in relating this text to our lives, the weakness we have in fulfilling God's purpose, God's calling in our lives, whatever that might be, in the context of our family home life, work life, local church life, and in our wider community. Acknowledge your weakness for what they are. Come to terms with the fact that you are not God and that he is, that you are dependent on him to fulfil the purpose for which you have been called into the world. Have an honest look at yourself. Is there anything that you can't let go of 
that is stopping you, slowing you down from being an agent to bring God's glory into the world? Is there a thorn in your life that is poking at you, causing you pain, making you doubt God's goodness and his power to fulfil his plans and purposes for the world? Have a careful look at that thorn. What is it? What is causing you to disbelieve that God is making all things new and good, not just in the world at large, but also in your life? What is stopping you from fulfilling your God-given role in your family, in your work, in your ministry to Christ's church here at St. Stephen's? Have an honest look, because it is there in that place where the thorn is that God will come and heal you and make you a mighty warrior for Christ's cause. It was God who promised in Isaiah, I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places. Looking into the space of weakness where your thorn or thorns are won't be pleasant. It will feel uncomfortable because it will shake you. It will poke at you and at times it might be so hard to get into those places because we have swept them under the carpet for so long and have put iron bars around it for no one, not even ourselves, to see. But it will be in that space, those secret places, where God will give us hidden treasures. When I say look for the weaknesses in your life, I don't mean mull over and pick the scabs off your sore spots in a morbid way where we revel in our weaknesses and pain. No, but in a way that knows and has confidence in the power of God to come and heal us in the midst of our weaknesses and pour out his blessings, his resurrection power, his grace, his gifts to display his glory. I'm also not saying look for your weaknesses because it is only when you are weak that God will display his power. No, God is not bound by our weaknesses to work out his plans and purposes for the world. But he does pour out his power to reach its perfection in our weaknesses. That is a promise. So when we are weak, when weakness invades your life, I say invade because by nature we don't like being weak. And nor should we invite it. But when we are weak, please do not let go of the opportunity for you to experience the power of God. Do not let go. Hold on to God until he blesses you because he will. Don't let go and don't let Satan make you believe in his lies because God's power will reach its goal, its perfection in weakness. Second, don't give too much power to your weakness but give, but give weight to the power of God which is stronger than your weakness. Do you know what your weaknesses are? But are you struggling to admit that you have a problem, an issue? You may know intuitively what your weaknesses are, but you may be struggling to lay it out on the table to deal with it because you are proud or fearful that you will be left alone because admitting it will make you seem weak, incapable, incompetent, disrespected, unaccepted. Well, welcome, my friends. God is waiting for you. This is at the heart of the gospel. The banquet God is preparing for us is free. Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. That is a promise from Isaiah 55. 
Don't give your weaknesses too much power because God is good. He is bigger than your weaknesses. Give your weaknesses a healthy weight, but also know that God is bigger than your weaknesses and you have access to him now in Christ Jesus and now in the Spirit. So the question we must ask ourselves is, do I believe in God's power? Do I have faith in this God? Do I have faith in his promises? Do I take God at his word? Don't cling to your weaknesses too much. Instead, cling to God because he has the power to dispel that weakness, to protect you from that weakness for your sake and for the sake of his name. If you cling to your weakness rather than God's strength, you will drown. Admit your weakness own it and ask God to come and give you his strength and display his glory in whatever way he chooses to. I chose to, I chose to preach on this text because it was given to me while I was dealing with my own weaknesses or thorn, if you like, in my own life context of being a newlywed, three years now, a stepmother to five who are in different stages um, of life and dealing with their own life issues, and a young mother to two little dependent babies. And what I have realised is that the question I need to ask myself constantly is, and I need to ask this constantly, is, what is my weakness that is stopping me from doing or heading in the direction of doing God's will? And will I choose to ask God to come and display his strength instead of my own, so that his glory may be displayed in my life rather than my own self-glory. And when I can say yes to this question, yes to God's glory instead of my own, then I'm able to say, when I am weak, then I am strong, because I know that the power of Christ will rest on me and that, and that that resurrection power is far greater than what I have on my own, what I can offer myself. So can I ask you, maybe as you have a week of fasting and praying, to pray, to call on God to come into your life. Ask him to show what your thorn is. Ask him to come and do the work because you will be a transformed person and you too will be able to say, like the Apostle Paul, when I am weak, then I am strong. Not because you know it in your head, but because you've experienced it in your heart and in your life. Amen.